Good morning and welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. And we are compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, be in a community that serves the greater community, and that's what we're trying to do. So uh, appreciate you being here, and you, and you did a good job. You got all dressed up. Some of you brought your whole family. Wonderful. It's good to have you. And, uh, and we're going to get you out of here soon enough. Uh, but before we do, we're going we're gonna to look at Easter, and we're going to look at Easter from the book of Matthew. We've been doing a series in that book, so we're going to look at it from that passage. There's other places in the Bible you can find the Easter story, uh, but we're just looking at the Matthew one this morning. So before we get started, we're going to have the ushers come forward with Bibles and outlines, pens, prayer request cards if you have something you'd like us to pray for. Uh, you can fill that out, drop it in the offering plate at the end. Um, we're going to get started in just a moment, and, uh, and we're keeping the youth in here this morning. So thanks for staying, guys. Good to have you. We'll, we'll try to keep you awake and might teach you something you never heard before this morning. Uh, so it'll be fun, and Brent can verify anything if you have any questions, all right? Good having you guys. Feel the balcony. My goodness. They're all over the place. Awesome. Let's pray, and then uh, and then we'll get into our in our into our uh, our scripture. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to come and be in your house on your day, and a special day. And I thank you, Lord, that we get to honor what you did. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you came and lived amongst us, taught us, healed us, did miracles set an example, then, Lord, uh, went through the suffering and death on the cross for us, conquered death, resurrected, came back, proved it, taught us a little more, and gave us a shot at having a real relationship with you and your Father. So I pray, Lord, that we would understand that this morning. pray you give us a, a greater appreciation for being alive, for being your creation, for being part of your plan. And Lord, maybe look to see how we can be better connected to you uh, moving forward from this day. And so Lord, we, we pray for our passage, pray for our time, our discussion, and what's talked about. Pray would all honor your son and you and through your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in all God's people said, amen. All right. Uh, he is risen. He is risen okay. Okay. Good. We we've got some some uh, some veterans for you newcomers. Uh, we Christians we do this thing where we say on Easter, pretty much only Easter. We don't really say it other times. Uh, although it's fun to do it at other times because you do it on a non Easter Sunday. You walk up to somebody and you say, "He is risen," and they they look at you for a second. Like, he is risen indeed. You know, uh, it's this little exchange thing that we do. We've memorized it and we've, we've done it in order to accentuate the great event that we celebrate on our Christian Super Bowl, Easter. And that is the idea that uh, when they went to look for Jesus, he was not there. In fact, that's what the angel's going to say. He's going to say, he's not here. Uh, and you see that at the top of your outline if you're following along that way. Uh, let's get started 
We're in the book of Matthew. We're uh, chapter 27, 28 are the last two chapters of the book of Matthew. And we've been going through the series. We're jumping to the end because we always want to know what's at the end of the book, right? How's the story end? And then we'll go back in and backfill the chapters that we've missed uh, later. Uh, but we're going to look at the couple verses at the very end of Matthew 27 to give us a little context. And then we're just going to do the part of, of Matthew 28 that covers Easter morning, actually. And at this point, uh, at this point, Jesus has already been crucified. He's, he's been betrayed by Judas, protected by Peter, and uh, he's gone before trial with all the different people, scourged, beaten, and then eventually on the cross, and the whole, it is finished, that's all over. And we get to Matthew 27, very end of, of the book, really, uh, and we get to see what happens that Sunday morning. Uh, because at that point, for most of them, they all felt like all was lost. Uh, but it wasn't, right? Uh, and that's why you're here, right? Do you know why you're here this morning? Do you? I know, some of you, some, right? She made me come, right? Some of you are like, yeah, why am I here? Uh I want to make sure you know why you're here this morning, uh, so that this just isn't some kind of ritual, some kind of cultural event that, you know, uh, United States being semi-Christian in background and whatnot, uh, I use that phrase loosely, by the way, and uh, that this has just become something we do on, on one Sunday in April. I want to make sure you know why. I moved to Little Rock, Arkansas years ago, and I was all excited. I was taking my family. Uh, Julie and I were, were pop boxing everything up. We, we sold one of our cars because we're going to buy a new one when we get there. We, we shipped one of the other cars. We flew out there. The whole family, they picked us up. We bought a new house, the whole thing, right? I, I got really excited because when, when we first got there, we went into the Honda dealer, and I got a minivan. I don't know a whole lot, okay? I know, I know a little bit about Jesus. I know a little bit about soccer, okay? Here's one thing I do know for sure. Every person at some point in their life gets excited about a minivan, right? It doesn't last for very long, but for a little while, it's like, you gotta have a minivan. They're amazing. You fit everybody and all their stuff and, and the sliding doors. The kids, guys, men, the kids aren't gonna open the door and smash the car next to them, Right? And if you're lucky, you've got one of those remotes. That's like more powerful than a TV remote. I was just, life was great. I show up on the scene and I'm finally set up. I got my house, my family, we're all going. I'm at work and I'm starting to meet people in this new church. And they're asking me questions. I'll never forget this one guy. Well, who are you? Well, my, my name's Scott. And, you know, and he said, well, what are you doing here? Well, I'm, I'm going to be one of the new student ministry pastors, and you know, I just started. And Oh, where are you from? He said, well, I came out from California. Why? <laughs> I was like, wow. And it, the way it came across is like, you, you shouldn't have come. <laughs> one, you, either you're not leaving California to come out here. Who would do that? Or we don't want you here. <laughs> you're from California. Go back. You know, it was this really weird exchange, and it ended very quickly right after that, that, that exchange. Uh, and I had just this weird feeling, like, why? Uh, and it messed with my head for a little bit. I started thinking, why am I out here? I want to make sure you're clear why you're here today. 
Uh, and I want you to understand Easter, maybe in a new way. I think I'm going to point out a couple of things you've never seen before. I bet you for sure at least one, possibly three. One of them I forgot first service. It's going to be your second service extra today. Okay. I still don't. I mean, why would anybody go to first service? I don't know. Right? Those early morning people, whew, worried about them. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 57 is where we'll get started. Uh, when it was evening... It's all over. And it was evening. There came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. Folks, that right there is some some confidence, some guts. He is going to the most powerful man in his world and asking for the body of who everybody wanted to kill. To associate with him could get you in trouble just for asking. And Joseph says, no, I'm going to risk it all. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, But Joseph, this is the only time you see Joseph in this story. He's going to disappear. You're pretty much not going to see him again. But he comes, he asked Pilate for a body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen shroud, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Verse 61. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, Is anybody offended? He just called Jesus a name. I thought we don't call people names. Uh, you know what? This, this draws my attention to something that I, it's, I think um, an absolute concept. They had decided in their minds who Jesus was. What'd they call him? An imposter, a fraud, a liar, a charlatan, a deceiver. They've come up with a name for Jesus. The absolute part of this concept, every one of you has a name for Jesus. And I I beg the question, what do you call him? Everybody calls him something. Might not be good. Might not be repeatable in church. It might be Lord or Savior. It might be amazing. Uh, might be a lot of things, but you got to figure out what do you call them. At the beginning of this story, they've already decided the title they've given him. And it's going to determine everything they do with him. And I would, I would venture the concept that whatever title you give Jesus, that will determine how you deal with him. They call him an imposter and they treat him as such. And here they're going to come up with the plan. It's actually funny. Doesn't sound funny. Imposter doesn't sound like a funny name, but it's going to be pretty funny in a minute. We'll get there. All right? Said, We remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Now, why do they remember that? Any kindergartner can tell you that's crazy talk. 
If you were walking down Main Street, Pleasanton right now, somebody says, hey, I'm going to die, and in three days, I'm going to rise again. Um, what's your first response to that? Run? <laughs> Call the cops? <laughs> Walk away quietly? Back away facing them? It doesn't make any sense at all. It makes total sense that they would remember it, though, because of how absurd the phrase is. Now, did they believe it? No, you know that by the title that they gave him, imposter. But they did remember it. And here's what they say. Therefore, Pilate, order that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Why? Because they were afraid that he was actually going to rise in three days? No, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen. Okay, I caught first service on that. But you guys are good, Okay. Otherwise, they'll tell all the people that he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Why do they want to go seal the tomb? They think he's an imposter and they want this story to end. They want Jesus to go away. Those people still exist today. There's a lot of people that want him to go away. Because they don't believe the story. They don't believe him. They don't believe in God. They don't believe that there's a system for how life actually works. And most likely is because they haven't read enough of the Bible or understood it. That's the argument I'm going with. They say this, verse 65, Pilate says to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. Great phrase, very significant, because watch what happens. Verse 66, so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Great little sentence structure there. They sealed the stone and they set a guard, okay? We're gonna see that pattern again in just a second, all right? Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, that being Sunday, which is why we celebrate it on the first day of the week, Sunday, Easter, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Because it's funny. Mankind says, oh, let's go seal the tomb and put a guard so that no one can get in. (laughs) Right? Here's the part of the equation that they messed up. They didn't realize Angel was going to show up. Angel shows up and said, oh, that's a secured stone. Oh, that's cute. Moves it away. Oh, and by the way, just so you guys don't get any ideas, I'm going to sit right here. How great is that? Is, is he kind of bragging a little bit? Or he's being confrontational at the minimum. No, we're going to make sure that this stone stays open so the tomb is accessible because there's a different plan going on here. I love that they said, make it as secure as you can. Which apparently, in God's economy, not as secure at all. It's not secure at all. Now, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. That's an understatement, by the way. You think that they would be afraid? Absolutely. 
But the angel said to the women, April fools. You're not here. Right? Isn't that what he said? It says he's not here. But what he, re- what he really meant to say was, April fools. <laughs> You're looking for Jesus here? I know you thought you were supposed to see him here, but he's not here. Right? It was actually the second April fools of the day. What was the first one? The guards. Oh, you're guarding that place? April Fool's. No, you're not. <laughs> I'll sit right here. Got our first two April Fool's ever. Did you know that April Fool's started in the Bible? It did, right? There it is. That's where, that's where it started. Absolutely love that. He, he, he says, uh, do not be afraid, for I know that you came to seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. I was preparing for Easter this year. I was thinking to myself, that might be one of the best phrases in the whole passage. You're looking for him, but he's not here. When he says that, he creates a mandatory question. What's the mandatory question? Where is he? That's a good first question, but it's going to lead you as you start to answer those to who is he? The first impression is, well, he's not here. Okay, well, then where is he? I don't know about you, but I hated showing all my work in math. Do you ever have to do that? Show all your work in math? It's like, wait, I know the answer is 46. I'm going to skip all the steps, write 46, turn it in. They say, wait, go back, show all your steps. Why? Insufficient? Ineffective? I already got the answer. He says, no, I want you to show your work. I love to just skip to the answer. He says, he's not here. I want to skip to the answer. Then who is he? Great concept. Because it begs that question. Well, then who is he? He said he was going to raise himself on the third day. We're at the tomb. It's open. He's not here. Uh-oh. I don't want to be the April Fool. I want to know what's really going on. He is not here, verse 6, for he is risen. Amen. And then watch this phrase. As he said. Guys in the balcony. Why is as he said, why is that important? He... What? He says, the angel says to the ladies, he's not here. He is risen. And then the angel says, as he said. Why would that be important? He predicted it. Who said he predicted it? You get an A and we get a special egg, plastic egg in the back for you. Like a little goodies inside. Okay? Guys, he predicted it. He called his shot. And then the angel says, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Have you ever wondered why Christians are so weird? You, you realize we're weird, right? If you're not a Christian, you know we're weird. It doesn't take you much. You listen to our radio shows at any time for a little while, and they'll sing about the lion and the lamb and the blood of the lamb and the king of Zion and all this weird phraseology. It's like, what the heck are they talking about? 
if you're a Christian for a little while, you say all that stuff and you haven't even thought about how crazy you sound. You know why one of the other reasons that we, we, people think we're weird and they think we're crazy? Is that last little phrase right there. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell someone. You see, if the angel says, he's not here, and it begs the question, well, then who is he? When you get the answer to that question, you got to tell somebody. I just found the cure for blah, blah, blah. You going to keep that to yourself? Only if you're a pharmaceutical company and you're trying to monetize it. <laughs> right? McGrogan's a little excited about that answer. Uh, we've got to tell people. Verse 7, angel says to Mary and Mary, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. All right, it was a little bit different, but you caught it. Good job. Uh, And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. That's code for get moving. (laughs) There's nothing more to see here. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. You've never had a combo of those two emotions as intensely as they did. Great fear, great joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus couldn't wait till Galilee. That's what it should say. Are they in Galilee yet? Didn't the angel say he's going to meet you in Galilee? You'll see him there? Yeah, watch this. On their way, Jesus met them. Said greetings. Why is that cool? And why would Matthew put it in there? Uh, I don't know, Scott. We're here to attend, and then we're going to family brunch. You're the pastor. Can't you just answer it for us? Why, yes, I can. Thank you for asking. Because if Matthew writes down that Jesus said a word and quotes it, greetings. What have we just established in the court of law? A witness. We've created a witness for his resurrection. And Matthew wants to make sure you know this is more than just a story or a fraud. Or, as they will say later in the passage that we're not covering today, they paid people to promote the story that the disciples had stolen the body and that the whole thing was a fraud. How do we combat that? We create witnesses, and Matthew makes sure you know about it. And what's the word that he says? He doesn't say, why did you doubt? No, he walks up and says, greetings. Is that a happy phrase? Greetings. He's just beginning the small talk. You're going to have a conversation with him. There's more to come. Isn't that exciting? We've established a witness and we've established the heart of God and why he would come back. Amazing. Uh, You know, Ashley, uh, Ashley kind of drew attention to this in her prayer. But the, the idea of this God that is capable of so many things would come back for us and then be attentive to just us at the smallest level and detail to be able to just say, hey, greetings. Not stuck on, you know, just conquer death. That's pretty impressive. He could have walked up and said, did you see what I just did there? No. They become the focus. It's a very subtle thing, and yet amazing awesome at the same time. 
We have to be aware of that. Uh, And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. The Easter story is, is really pretty short. They showed up at the tomb. The soldiers are gone. Angels sitting on the, on the stone. April fools. Go tell the boys. And as they're going, Jesus shows up again. It absolutely defines for us who God is. In fact, if you look at your outline, we're going to crank through some fill-ins here at the back. At the very top, it gives you the passage and then this, this phrase, title sermon, he is not here. And if that's true, it changes the whole game. It changes our approach to life. It changes our approach to God himself. Hopefully, it changes our approach to other people. And most important today, it changes your approach to your family that you're all going to sit and eat with later or hang out with. See, when he says he's not here, it demands for us that we start really thinking deeply about who he is and what he's accomplished. And I want to give you a couple things from just these few uh, verses that I think are really important for us on Easter. And the first one is this. Have you been listening? Have you been listening? Absolutely awesome that Matthew writes down when the Pharisees and the scribes go to Pilate, what do they say? We remember that he said. They remember that he said things. Do you know what he said? How much of what he said do you know? You see, the Pharisees and the scribes were paying attention very clearly. They got it totally wrong, but they were listening. In fact, that's why they wanted him killed. They're absolutely listening to what Jesus said, and they're trying to disprove it. We're on the other side of the coin. We want to be listening to what he said because if he's making it happen three days later after predicting it, then we should be asking what else did he say? What more did he say? In fact, when the ladies show up and the angel says, April Fools, (laughs) he's not here. In that instant, they should have been starting to think, wait, what else did he say? He, wait, he predict? I thought that was an analogy. I thought he was being figurative. He was being literal? What else was he being literal about? What are you listening to? You know, it's fascinating. Matthew chapter 6, we talked about it two weeks ago and three weeks ago. One of the fill-ins was... What are the voices that you're listening to? We get to the very end of the book and Matthew's still accentuating the same kind of thing. Who are you listening to? Because you get later in the passage and the angel says, oh, by the way, he's not here. He is risen. risen As he said. Where are you listening? It's a fascinating concept. He has more to say. 
And that's why we come here. Amen? Uh, secondly, can you stop him? Can you stop him? <laughs> no, you can't. All you got to do is, sh- is send one angel. I love, they, they come up with this plan. We're going to steal the stone. We're going to set some guards in there. And the whole thing, angel shows up and starts laughing at him. You April fools. I was growing up and heavily attending and, and observing basketball as a young man in the height of the Michael Jordan era. They had some great little things they would do with him, and he was so exceptional. They had, they had a uh, video they made about him called Come Fly With Me. They asked him, hey, can you fly? <laughs> Why would you ask Michael Jordan if he could fly? It's a nonsense question. It's just like saying, uh, hey, in three days, if I die, I'll be raised again. It's crazy talk. Men don't fly. Loved his answer for a little while. <laughs> for a little while, I can fly. But they used to say about him, you can't stop him. On the basketball court, you can't stop him. And quite honestly, when I watched, I thought, yeah, he can kind of score almost whenever he wants, and he, he's all over the place. Uh, what they would say, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him or to slow him down, right? Which kind of true. When that angel sat on that rock, he said, not only can you not stop me, you can't even contain me. You can't slow me down. Literally, you can't keep me in a tomb. Death cannot even slow me down. The only reason it was three days is because I decided to wait three days. I could have been back in moments, but y'all wouldn't have believed it. You would have thought he fainted or something. Which is, by the way, one of the leading theories in disproving the resurrection is that he fainted for three days. It's called swoon theory. Look it up or don't because it's a waste of your time. Okay. Um, There's a lot of theology written on it. And it's just, uh, well, that wouldn't be theology either. It'd be heresy. Uh, But it's this idea of why would you want to stop him? Pharisees, scribes, you were listening and yet you tried to stop him. The ladies show up. Why? There's something still there for the ladies. And when they hear, they don't run. They don't hide. What do they do? They take off for Galilee. They're not trying to stop them. They're trying to catch them. See, here's, here's a great concept for you. They show up to find Jesus, and he wasn't there. And you know this? Most of the places you look for Jesus, you won't find him. A lot of people are looking for God in all the wrong places. And I need not give you an example of that. You just can watch the news or the internet or movie or anything, or maybe even your own family. Most of the places people look for Jesus, they don't find him. Because Jesus is usually a couple steps ahead of them. If you're like me, you want a God that's a couple steps ahead of you. Because when you're in trouble, you need a God that's ahead of you knows what's wrong, knows how to fix it, knows who to connect you with, knows how to get you on the right track, right? Because usually if you're in trouble, it was you, not them. We got to get to the point where we're not trying to stop him. We're trying to engage him and we're looking ahead to where he might be. Where has he gone? Who is he? You see, I've had uh, 48 Easter's. 
I've had 48 Easter's. Every Easter, pretty much, to my recollection, which is not so great because I've had too many of them. Right? I get one of these plastic eggs. Have you seen plastic eggs? You can break them open, and what's inside? Chocolate. Really? They put chocolate in those things? What else do they put in there? First service, nice, young, cute, cute little girl said she got money. I was like, me, me, I want some money. Right? What else you find in there? Jelly beans. That was the first answer, first service. Right? You know that I've never known what was inside of those eggs. I, ne- I got them every year, but I never opened them. I thought, wow, what an amazing egg. I think I'll leave it there unopened. How many believe that? It was full sarcasm, right? There has never been an Easter where I have not taken full advantage of all the sweets and gifts and eggs and everything, right? Salt on the hard-boiled, all the whole thing. Love it all. Because why would you get a gift and not open it? See, if God can come back from the dead, if he can predict it ahead of time and then proves it, that when we ask the question, who is he? We want to ask next, what's he capable of? Remember I told you Christians are weird? We got phrases for that. What he's capable of? We got weird phrases for that. We say he's omnipotent. Or some people say he's omnipotent. Then there's a third group of people who argue about which way you should pronounce it. Those ones you avoid for sure. Because who cares how you pronounce it? What's the concept? What's he capable of? Everything and anything. Why not access that? Folks, first service missed this. And I feel shamed as a pastor that I robbed them of this experience. Joseph shows up and asks for the body. Why? To put him in a tomb. And once he's in the tomb, an angel shows up. We have Joseph and an angel at the very end of the book. Do you know the first quote in the book of Matthew? Joseph, son of David. Do you know what it says? Joseph, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Folks, the book starts with Joseph and an angel. The book ends with Joseph and an angel. That is more than good writing, folks. You think Matthew made that stuff up? He couldn't. Writers in Hollywood couldn't make up that stuff. In fact, there's not a movie out that's as good as the plot of Jesus Christmas to Easter. It was fascinating. Between the angel of Joseph and the angel and Joseph, there's no angels. You don't see him again because Jesus is on the scene. And as soon as he's gone, 
we're knuckleheads and we start forgetting and we need angels to show up and put us back on track. But no matter what, God is going to get what he wants. Most fascinating revelation for me, one of them in my life, in my own Christianity, in my own faith, is when I started to tinker with the idea that no matter what I do, it will have zero effect on God getting what he wants. He's going to do it with me or without me. Oh, I, <laughs> I click like. <laughs> I want to be in on that. I don't want to be left out. And I, I sure don't want to be so far off that he has to sh- send an angel. That's bad news. <laughs> when they show up, it doesn't go well, right? It leads us to this. Can you give him your tomb? And here's the one maybe you've never seen before. And I hope you'll see it. Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and said, can I have Jesus' body? And then it tells us, Matthew tells us, that he took the body and put it in his own new tomb that he had cut from the stone. Whose tomb was it? And who got it? Folks, there's double meaning there if there's double meaning anywhere. Jesus shows up on the scene and dies on the cross for us. Joseph figures out, says, you can have my tomb because I'm not going to need it. I won't be always there. You take death for me. And he goes to great risk, stand before Pilate and ask to do that. Dug the tomb himself and then gave what he had made to Christ so that Christ could save him absolute great literal meaning and absolute great figurative meaning that Joseph offers him his own tomb. Man, if that doesn't hit you, I can't help you. Because that is the meaning of Easter. We give over our life and our death to Christ. And he starts affecting us now. So that you don't have to be, ready, an April Fool. You don't want to miss the, the meaning of Easter. You thought life meant one thing, but it actually means Easter. And you get to the end, he says, yoke's on you. Get it, the pun? Easter, eggs, yolk, joke, yolk. Okay, you guys are thinking about your roast or your egg thing or whatever you're going to next. Let's pray. Let's get out of here. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to worship. And thank you that you can, in so many ways, through double meaning and minute detail, show us the power and value that you have, how real you are. I pray that you would continue to do it, even to this day, that our understanding of your past, what you've said, your prophecy, and then how you fulfilled it in the moment, even today. Through as big as things like angels and as small as things like pairing two Josephs. That you might get our attention to all of those things and give us a confidence in the future. A hope. That you will meet us on the path before we even get to our destination. And there you would greet us, interact with us. 
that we might really know what life is. That we might really know who you are. Lead us, Lord, in that way. And we thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. Pray you would bless it. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.